In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Chris LaMontagna about the strategies behind growth at Teespring. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 138. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Plesky, and I'm here today with Chris LaMontagna. Chris is the CEO of Teespring, the social commerce platform behind YouTube's merch shelf that allows creators to design and sell their products online. In this interview, Chris gives a ton of tips on both growth, but also the mindset around creating a growth strategy. If you're a retailer and you're looking to grow, I suggest you listen all the way to the end because Chris shares some really great insights in this interview. So let's get into it. So hey, Chris, how are you doing today? Very good. Thanks for having me, Charles. Really, really great to be with you. Yeah, awesome to have you on the show. I'm definitely... Happy to, I'm excited to kind of hear about your background and what you've been working on there. I love the um, the whole growth mindset. I think it's kind of a, a big thing. Everyone's kind of, I mean, this is what everyone wants, right? You joined, you joined the company, I think we were talking before the show, about four years ago, but became yeah. CEO of Teespring in 2019. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I initially joined the business in that growth growth role. So I was the director of growth for the business. Um, and as a business, I think we've just been very growth orientated, really thinking about how do we take the business in new directions and how do we think about growth in a holistic way. So naturally, that kind of just evolved to be me becoming the CEO as the platform evolved. Um, so it's kind of really become part of our core as a company, which I think is, uh, you know, is obviously quite an interesting way to build an organization when you've got that kind of growth at its heart. When you say growth, like how do you even define that as a role? Because I feel like it's a very ambiguous <laughs> term. Like everyone kind of wants to grow, but there's marketing and there's all these different things. Like, but what does like a growth team actually do? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think um, you're totally right. You know, you can t- be talking to people about growth roles, and uh, it's interesting as we build that team. You know, you get some people who are more paid marketing focused, some people who are brand marketing, growth hackers, all these different things. The kind of the best definition I, I've used, at least, um, is is kind of more like a metaphor, actually. Um, the way we think about it is a business is really just a, a train that's continuing to move, and it's the growth team's, tr- growth team's job to be able to lay those tracks um, and to be able to keep that speed going. So as a growth team, and kind of pragmatically what that means is You've got to be the real arrowhead of the business. You've got to be the spear thinking about where this business is going next. Um, and that could be things like partnerships. It could be marketing. Kind of, it could be paid marketing. Um, it could be even pure sales. Um, and what we've built internally at Teespring is this core um, cross-functional team of like a lot of different people from different disciplines who are all tied together with the yeah, the growth of the business um, from a top level top level revenue perspective or from a KPI perspective. Yeah, because as you're growing, right, you guys, um, I don't know if you can kind of share some of the big mm. you know numbers, but like as you're growing each one of these marketing channels, the one that worked two years ago, either it's going to stop working or you're just going to max it out anyway. So it does, you know, either way, you need to find more channels. So you, it's constantly, and that's, pro, I'm guessing, part of the role, right? On every time it's not working anymore or you just, you just, 
or let's say same thing, you can keep advertising, but your ROI just starts going down over time, right? You stop maxing that channel out and you're just going to see worse and worse. You have to kind of find the next blue ocean for a channel. Yeah. You know, I think that's the nuanced thing about e-commerce particularly as well, right? Is what you were doing six six months ago is definitely not what you're going to be doing in six months time. Um, So you've almost got to design your org in that way. Um, And I think, you know, from us as a kind of, as an organization, um, you know, we really sat back and thought about, well, what, what are the dynamics that are that actually do drive growth in the business and and for us as a platform and kind of how that's evolved is we understood that our business model is uh is b2b to c in that we help creators sell their products to to their fans right so we understood if, if once we really understood our business model we were able to unpick what that growth strategy was going to look like and essentially it was how do we get more creators how do we help them sell more product um, and how do we do it in a real way that we can retain and drive quality and, and kind of retain that growth into the platform. And we stood back from that as a, um, as kind of a challenge, you know, almost as a whiteboard to say like, well, what is that? Uh, what is our approach to be able to go and do that? And specifically we came up with a model, which was growth by partnerships. And, um, uh, you know, it's tried and tested in terms of using partners in that way. Um, and, um, you know, we were able to forge some real high value partnerships uh, with people like YouTube, with people like Instagram, people like Twitch. Uh, we've got some more of those platform partnerships where we were able to build really deeply integrated relationships that were actually able to kind of start to create that acceleration. And, you know, the number that we've just shared is, um, Teespring uh, is last quarter is growing over a hundred percent year on year. Um, we've also just delivered our fourth quarter of double digit growth, so we're kind of back into hyper growth mode, which is super exciting for the business. Um, so I think you know what what proved right is the strategy that we came up with two three years ago uh, has very much come true with regards to. Um, you know, the, the results that it's been driving in the business. Today's episode is sponsored by Drip. Drip is the world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're running an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation rules visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation rules. It's powerful, but also easy to learn, unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation. To get a demo of Drip today, you can go head over to drip.com BOE. That's drip.com BOE. Now, onto the show. When you say a, a partnership with like a YouTube, for example, what's that look like? Are you actually like embedded in their platform now? And so if I'm a, you know, huge YouTube publisher and I want to get some t-shirts out to my fans, they can just hit a button and generate that. Like, what's that actually look like? That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. We were able to build a very deep integrated partnership with YouTube, which was super exciting, um, where, you know, creators who want to monetize, um, 
they have the ability to create products. So, you know, Teespring was obviously founded on apparel and t-shirts, but now we have over 180 different products that you can launch on the platform. We've also got a system where you you can uh, we can work to source products as well for creators. So um, there's a lot of variability for a YouTube creator. Um, but yeah, you, you're quite right. The integration itself is that's embedded within YouTube. You can sign up from YouTube directly to Teespring, create products using the Teespring tooling that then show back up on the YouTube watch page um, directly underneath the video on a on a feature which we built, which was called the Match Shelf. Um, that sits directly underneath the video. So the integration is super, super neat in being able to put it in front of your fans and then to be able to watch your content and buy your merchandise, your products at the same time, which is you know, very much directionally where we see the, the world going. Got it. Now, if you're, so if I'm a retailer, I'm listening in and saying, sounds great, partnerships, because um, that that's a channel, right? Like there's paid ads, SEO, there's all these different things and partnerships is just another channel. But let's say you guys, you know, back in, we had to start 20, 2000, 2011? 2011. 2011, right? So yeah. let's say you guys, 2012, were, was partnerships a growth channel then at that scale? Or are they just with smaller partners? Or was it something that you know you had, this is something we wanted to do, but we need to get to, to a certain scale to be mm. able to even approach a YouTube? Yeah, there's definitely a scale aspect to it. There's no, no hiding behind that. There's definitely a scale aspect to be able to partner with people in that way. Um, prior to that, though, I think, you know, in terms of unpicking, like, the growth, the early growth of Teespring, um, there was a real viral loop in this ability to create a product online with zero inventory cost. Um, so you're not having to put money up front. So the whole kind of print on demand world really exploded with that idea of like you can build a business without without any without any upfront costs. So yeah, you're quite right in that partnerships wasn't always the the number one focus. I think instead, you know, product probably would have been the focus really of like driving growth through the product that you build. Um, and, you know, the, that still kind of rings true today. Our value proposition of the product that we actually built is um, is still incredibly high. We have a lot of signups coming to Teespring. Typically, we have about 300,000 users sign up every month to Teespring to come and create a product, um, which is just a phenomenal number. It shows that, that that growth channel didn't die. We just were able to kind of layer on top some of these really high value partnerships on top of a growth strategy that we put in place back in 2011. Okay. So this is almost like a second or maybe even third or fourth like type of channel for you. So this whole partnership aspect isn't something, this is relatively new in the past couple of years. Mm. It, it, it is, but I think you've got to really understand what channel actually means. Um, you know, I think channels sometimes you can get very much into the, um, performance marketing mindset when you talk channel is like, this is a channel which I'm gonna um, I'm gonna jam on for six months and I'm gonna I'm gonna saturate and then I'm gonna move on to something else. I actually think it's more of a of a tactic rather than a channel. And the way I think about that is, how do you map kind of what it is you're trying to drive? Are our partnership are really still in the very early stages, in their nascent stages. And I think, you know, the partnerships with someone like a YouTube, 
you're not going to saturate that channel. There's so many different more iterations off the back of that. Um, so I, I believe that um, channels sometimes can be maybe the wrong definition in that respect. And in fact, it's building up like a set of growth tactics or growth strategy that kind of makes sense that allow you to maybe think slightly broader um, with regard to you know how to design a, what, a, what a growth plan could look like. So an overall, so more of a strategy and an overall playbook that you can now execute that same playbook with the exactly. next, whatever the next, maybe Facebook, I don't know what the next partner is, but someone, right? Exactly. That, okay. exactly. Yeah. So then it's a plan from there to basically rinse and repeat and say, okay, we made these, you know, dozen partnerships, let's make a dozen more that look just like this, or like, where does it go from there? Yeah, I think there's two there's two approaches. There's one which is like, okay, yes, we can repeat and partner more. But there's then there's also one which is how do we double click into this partnership? How can we actually continue to grow it and make it deeper? And you know, maybe we want it we want to internationalize. Maybe we want to um, add more products to our like to for, to the creators within that partnership. Maybe we want to do more marketing. I think there's kind of like your vertical expansion and your horizontal expansion. And and really, you should be trying to do both. I think sometimes you can feel like you saturated particular tactics, but in fact, you've got to be, have that kind of ability to stand back and, and understand. Well, there is growth to be sniffed out in, in these different tactics, and like, how do you have, yeah, whether it's a vertical or a horizontal approach to exploration? There, I think you need to have, be able to have both. Yeah. So, the, I mean, and. The platforms have more creators every single day, right? So either even if you just stay still, these are just grow like there's a mass amount of growth here. This is a whole this is like a career that ten years ago didn't exist to be a, a YouTube creator. Like this is now a, you can grow up and you can do this. And there's people out there that do this and make great money. So it's and I I think over the next ten years there's gonna be just more of them. So even at you know, the same percentage of the pie, the pie is just gonna be getting larger in this case. Well, yeah, well, we, we have this approach where, you know, Teespring's vision is to become the number one social social commerce platform in the world. Um, what is and, that, what does what that mean? mean by yeah, that? social commerce platform. <laughs> well, well, social commerce, I think, is it's super interesting to think about social commerce in there was, there was a thesis around social commerce that we're connected online now. So whether it be you've got your Facebook, uh, you've got Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. We've got these social graphs. We've got these social connections to people. And you may have a 1,000 friends on Facebook or a 1,000 subscribers. You may have a million subscribers on, or a million followers on, on Instagram. Whatever it is, we are socially connected. Um, commerce, as kind of like uh, in its purest form, is the exchange of goods. So the exchange of goods uh, in that respect. So so. Putting the two together is we're using the social connections that you have online and connecting commerce to it and being able to buy and sell products to your social graph, to your the people that you're connected with. It's just mega powerful. And we think specifically, you know, starting with creators and like really zeroing in on how we become the architecture for creators to be able to sell those products is very much where we want to be. And I think that's what we mean by the social commerce platform. Teespring isn't really a, like a front-facing brand in that we don't we don't need people to come to Teespring to buy products. In fact, we want to be the architecture that supports creators in bringing their brands to life. And creators, in the broader sense of the word, if you're a a top YouTuber with 
10 million followers right down to someone who hosts a fishing channel uh with maybe a thousand followers who have got this real interest in this particular niche we think we've built a platform that can really provide uh, the commerce portion of that relationship hmm. when you when you get to see this future is there other businesses that kind of have this path you know that you're following that you kind of look at them and say like they've done something similar to this maybe a different industry different vertical that kind of you look up to or is this something you guys are just completely forging your own concept here. No, I think, look, we're standing on the giants of soldiers, right? When you look at, sorry, standing on the giants, uh, on the shoulders of giants. That's the sense. You know, I think specifically the, you know, e-commerce, some incredible companies who've been able to really help people build brands. Um, you know, if you look at Shopify, uh, what Shopify have done, I think is an incredible ecosystem. Um, but I think, you know, what we really look at is we look at like company, a company like Stripe. So the payments yeah. company, Stripe, who've built this like layer of architecture that just makes it really easy to do payments. And there's all these kind of cogs and steam going on in the background to make that. But actually it's like this real, uh, incredible kind of enabler to make things happen in that way. We kind of see it in actually quite a similar way to that is um, we want to do all the complicated, nitty-gritty, gritty parts of, um, of e-commerce and allow creators just to be able to surface their product, whether it be on YouTube or Instagram or uh, TikTok or whatever it may be. We want to be able to be the, the plumbing that allows them to do that. Stripes are good. That's actually a great analogy, right? Because I remember back in, you know, I'm dating myself here, but back in like the 90s, getting my first uh you know old stripe competitor like an authorized.net account and the process was laborious and they sent it was like the craziest process back then with like a phone calls and all this stuff versus like fast forward to today you can get a stripe account in about a minute and it it's infinitely better and same process back in the 90s you want to get a t-shirt printed you had to like drive down to some shop in the back of you know, and everyone's sitting there and it's this dingy shop and the guy had to do screen printing and you need to do a run of however many, like it was similar thing, right? Where it was just, it was really difficult to do. And now, it is, and, yeah. you know, if you, ex- if you extend that to, you know, if, we, if me and you were going to come up with a business today and we were like, right, we're going to start my own. I want to sell this product. Well, actually, if you break down the components where you've got to be able to design the product, just to realize it in that way you've got to be able to feature that product in some way you've got to be able to when someone actually maybe wants to buy one of those products you've got to be able to take the payment you've got to be able to 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 fulfill the product you've got to be able to have customer service in case something goes wrong um maybe deal with returns and you know that's just for one product then what if you want to create a line of different products you want to have your own store you want to sell on different channels this is all quite still quite even today even despite all the architecture it's still quite difficult to do and i think what what teespring you know in in the direction that we're kind of moving in is we want to make that as simple and as straightforward and as intuitive as stripe has done it for payments um and i think that's kind of like you know the vision and and kind of you know what what we're heading towards which which is just super exciting for us as a platform yeah, so it is in platform is the right word in that case. It's becoming, I think a lot of people throw around that term, but we're really talking about a platform here of same way Stripe is a platform and you can build on Stripe. You can, so you, 
so you actually want to be that platform that the dial tone, if you will, um, when you pick up the phone, that's what's at the other end. That's it. That's, that's, that's totally correct. I think that definition between platform and marketplace for us is yeah. who's our customer, who's our customer, our customer is the creator and their customer is the buyer as the fan. Yep, that's it's that's why I kind of reference the B two B two C model. That's kind of the, the the appropriate definition for us. We're not trying to be a marketplace, um, and that's definitely a nuanced part of our history. You know, we definitely went down that direction. Um, but for, right, like really, what's working for us is being a platform, um, and this social commerce platform is exactly what we're chasing down. Got it. When you started four years ago, so you didn't start as the CEO. You moved into this role in the past couple Correct. of years, right? What was, yeah. what was that like and how did that how did that happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, you know i come from an entrepreneurial background so uh i've kind of uh i started my first company when i was 19 so um i've been a ceo before um i then got like a real unique opportunity to work in some very fast growing high growth companies uh and i also worked at a vc fund as well so i've kind of had the background of being in executive kind of positions. Um, so, you know, I think uh, it was a much, obviously it's a much bigger company, you know, we're 350 people right now. So, uh, so it's a, you know, it's a big organization. What, did, what was it when you started? Do you know the? Uh, good question. About two, two twenty maybe. Yeah. Two, two, one thing, something like that. So we've, so we've got that account. Um, but the, you know, the honest answer to that, Charles, is uh, I actually, it just felt very natural. It felt like a really natural transition for me, um, which was super exciting to do. Okay. I like that. So then if somebody's listening right now, a retailer, and they, you know, they, what advice would you give to someone that kind of wants to have some, you know, you guys had a trajectory, you're obviously growing fast. If a retailer is listening and they actually want to say, like, how does this apply to me? How does this help me? How can I, how can I use this? What kind of advice would you give? Yeah, a couple of things. You know, I think the reality is, um, particularly if we're talking in e-commerce or commerce in general, retail, however you want to think about it, I think really studying the ecosystem. There's so much happening in our space right now, not just in the US, but, you know, if you look at what's happening in China commerce, um, you look at all over the world, you know, You've got to become an expert on your environment, on your landscape. Um, and I think sometimes the common mistake is you can be so laser focused on your own business that things can pass you by without you even realizing what's going on. Are you saying um, the competitive landscape, the your market, or just e-commerce in general? Like how, well, how far are yeah, you looking? Both, both really, I would say. I think competitive, most certainly. But, but I think, yeah, the space as well. It's your duty to become an expert in your own domain. Um, and you know, I spend a lot of time look like looking up and looking out and like trying to understand other models. And I think that's kind of been one of the real true values for us is we were able to kind of almost see what was happening in the space a little bit before it happened and then make the, the appropriate moves. And I think it's really difficult, particularly if you, if you know, you're having a tough time in business to find that inspiration 
Uh, it's difficult to find the inspiration certainly internally sometimes. You know, that can that's actually where it can be most most difficult. So, you know, dedicating enough time to look out into the open to kind of figure out well what are other people doing? How could I adapt that back into my into my model? How could I maybe shift and pivot? Um you know, I speak to some entrepreneurs who are like, hey, this is my like three-year plan, you've my five-year plan. I'm not sure our industry, you know, I'm talking specifically about e-commerce works like that anymore. Um, you know, I think you need to have principles, but you need to be flexible at like the way you're th- in the way you're thinking. And you also need to be ready to kind of rip it up and start again if you have to, um, which is dangerous and not all companies are built in that way. Um but I think just having that kind of that 20, approach in 2020 is a year telling us that, right? This is, of course this, it is. Yeah. Yeah. There's some retailers I talked to where you say, you know, how's business been? And they're like, you know, we literally got zero orders this week or other retailers saying we're doing black Friday every day. And like, so it's like both extremes right now. I've kind of heard this year. So this is a year where plans don't really, uh, don't really work. It seems like. And- I'm lucky, you know, there's a, there's a real like, lesson to be learned there is you've got to build resilience at your core. You've got to build resilience within your organization to be able to weather those things, whether it's at a financial level, whether it's at a people level. You know, I think people for us, I've just got a group of toughened, um, entrepreneurial, uh, incredible execution-focused like group of people who, when COVID came, they were like, okay, let's get to it. You know, it wasn't like freak out. It was, no, let's run, let's run into the burning building and figure this one out. And and, and that's why, you know, we are where we are right now. Yeah, I definitely, I've seen some retailers that's kind of literally a business went to zero in a week and then they pivoted and started selling masks and protective gear and just like the strangest things within a matter of like weeks and just like a new site. And because the demand was there, their business and some of them, it eclipsed their actual business and it kind of helped them ride out this past, uh, you know, six months, whatever this has been now. And I think, look, you've got to see it as, again, it comes back to being fixed in the way you think, right? If you are fixed in that respect of this is my business, this is how it runs, this is how it's going to run for the next 10 years, something like this can come along and, uh, and change things very, very quickly almost overnight. So you know, I think building business with that, that element of flexibility, I think is just super important. Yeah. Well, I think this is definitely the, the year for that. I think this is the year <laughs> where people, if people didn't know before, they're learning it now. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. Yeah. Very cool. Any last kind of tips before I let you go? Um, things you, I was looking for things too. You just recommend to retailers that are out there and they just, they want to fail the same success and, you know, they want that. Mm. Yeah. You know, like I think, you you know, outside of um, you know, outside of kind of that lookout and and look at you know for, for inspiration. The other big tip is, um, I think looking for those adjacent kind of macros in um, like what else is happening in kind of adjacent spaces. So for me, as an example, I was looking at the way content platforms were kind of evolving. So people like YouTube and Instagram and they were evolving and looking for new monetization tactics for creators. So that necessarily wasn't in my space. It wasn't in e-commerce, but trying to look at, well, what are the adjacent sectors that actually could, could impact your business? I think are, uh, it's just a super interesting way for, for you to start thinking about what's the, what's the approach and how you can scale your business. And, 
thinking about that in a bit more of a holistic way is is interesting. Um, so so that's one area. I think the other area is, is teams and like building structures of like the right types of teams. You know, we you, you kind of touched upon it earlier, Charles, around like what is a growth team. I think doing a bit of an audit with regards to are you growth focused? You know, even just the definition of calling your team a growth team rather than a sales team or a marketing team might actually just be a really good way to kind of recategorize um, how, as a business, you can start to you can start to scale. Um, so sometimes some of the semantics that just kind of play into that is like, hey guys, we used to be marketing, we used to be sales. Now we're growth, and this is why, and this is what that means to the business. It's just a really quick tip of thinking how you can actually drive change in a very, very short space of time with with really minimal effort. Well, so that's one of those things, right? Just how you redefine that team. Because oh, if yeah. you have your marketing team, you know, hey, what do you guys do? We do marketing. But if you have a growth team, it feels a lot more they can they can choose. Are they doing marketing? Are they doing one-on-one sales? Are they a partnership biz dev? Like they can almost make up their role. And like you said, depending on depending on what works today. So maybe today it's, okay, let's double down, focus on product, get more folks in here, get it to be easier. And that's what the growth mm-hmm. team is doing versus fast forward several years. Now the growth team is doing partnerships and they can basically totally. define their own role. And, and that's it, right? And that's that kind of filling in where, where the business needs them. Um, you know, we, we constantly evolve in that way. I think, unfortunately, sales particularly has become a bit of a dirty word, you know, in like, you know, in kind of being a sales team, it's like it can have the wrong connotations. It's like someone's just going to sell me something and move on. But in fact, if you're positioned, there's like, no, this is our growth guy and he's focused on bringing on new accounts. Well, actually maybe even just re- reprograms the individual's mindset as well. It's like there's such an inherent um, positivity and dynamism that's kind of uh, that involved in calling someone, hey, you're on the growth team, which means you continue to move, you know, you continue to evolve, um, which I think just sets you up for just much more dynamic uh, approach to, to work, which – you know, we've definitely been on the recipient, like the receiving end of, of seeing how beneficial that's been to the business. I like that. That's a good tip. I don't think a lot of folks think like that because you think of these <laughs> silos and you have your sales and you have your marketing and, you know, what is sales? And sales has to do sales, Mark has to do marketing. But once you kind of blend that, and maybe that's part when you talk about being more dynamic, right, and resilient, maybe that's part of it right there, right? Having teams that can almost be chameleons, right, and change the definition, helps build in that more dynamic um, type of structure, right? Most certainly. Most certainly. We've seen it firsthand. You know, someone who was a marketing person six months ago is now a partnerships person yeah. um, and vice versa. And, um, you know, pure salespeople obviously we sit within the growth team, but they're, they're framed as you know, they are our, our growth managers or in whatever way. And I think they think about the role in a very different way. So, yeah, I think it's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a good tip maybe if for people who are thinking about, you know, where maybe growth is stagnated, it's a good, it's a good way to kind of rebuild an organization without actually without making too many changes. Awesome. All right, Chris, if people want to find you, kind of learn more about you, follow what you're doing, what's the best place to do that? 
Yeah, LinkedIn, I love connecting with people with LinkedIn. I think it's such a great tool. I think it's such an underused tool as well on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Chris Lamontagna and the CEO of Teespring. Uh, I typically accept most people. And I also post a lot of around growth on there. Um, I kind of try to uh, regularly or it, Sometimes I'm, not, I'm using Twitter, but LinkedIn is, is my main channel of comms, particularly on business. I want to keep it really, really focused for people, and uh, I'm sharing a lot there. Awesome. I'll drop a link to that in the show notes, and thanks a lot for coming on. I appreciate it. Hey, Charles, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate that.